So let's say you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the ark, as the floodwaters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava, the feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kavahs for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kavah and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation. But waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, at this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kavah for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kavah for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see in any situation how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better but you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea, he lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires and he chose hope when he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope, like the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of the Exodus and he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kavah for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope and they used the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope that people can be reborn to become new and different kinds of humans. More than once, the apostle Paul says the good news about Jesus announces the elpis of glory. In both cases, this elpis is based on a person, the risen Jesus who has overcome death. And this hope wasn't just for humans. The apostles believed that what happened to Jesus in the resurrection was a foretaste of what God had planned for the whole universe. In Paul's words, it's a hope that creation itself will be liberated from slavery to corruption into freedom when God's children are glorified. So Christian hope is bold. 
waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy, and maybe it is. But biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. That's what the biblical words for hope are all about. And so as we go through the, this time of Advent, um, that's just a quick understanding of hope. That each Christmas season, what we do is we look back at Christ being born. And without Christ being born, we would not have hope. So that's the understanding of looking back at history and saying now we have hope. And so everything that you and I experience that we feel like there's no... Uh, we can't get beyond where we are or there's, there's not, a, not a possibility of, of God working in this. We go back to the history of God and the history of God is that, remember, he brought hope into the world. And so we uh, wait expectantly now, watch this, we wait expectantly with some tension in the world, correct? I mean, with tension in our life, we look expectantly, we hope for the day that Christ will come back and receive us. And while we live on this earth and we go through our struggles and we have circumstances that come our way, then we go to our past understanding of how Jesus walked with the disciples and he gave them what? Hope. So if you go back and you look at this understanding of hope, uh, uh, it comes in many packages. When Mary was visited by the angel and said, listen, you're going to have a child, and then began to uh, explain that this child, to her, probably then was this understanding of what he's going to be. He's going to rule the world. He's going to be a, a king. He is a, and so what she did at the end of that, that uh, announcement, it says in the scripture, it says that she what? She treasured those things in her heart. You remember that? If you don't, you should, because what she treasured is hope, right? When, when, when Peter uh, was told, hey, I'm going uh, by, the, by Jesus, when Peter was with the disciples and he said, listen, I'm going to die, but in three days I'm going to be raised again, and these things are going to happen. You can't stop it. It's just a part of, it's a part of, of my uh, kingdoms come or the kingdom that will come in the end and uh, he went away sad but at the same time when they ran and said hey listen he's not in the tomb the reason he ran back was an expectation and the reason that he left it says that he left in wonder remember it's because why it's because both uh, Mary at the time of birth, at the birth of Christ, was given hope. She treasured it. It's an expectation. And boy, during her walk through all that, was there tension in her life? She was constantly running. She didn't know if this man, Joseph, was really going to marry her because they had not even consummated their, their marriage by then or their relationship by then. And when, G and when Peter ran to the tomb right? He didn't know the end product. He had a, or the end of what was going to have. He had this hope. But let me ask you, when Peter was running back, was there tension in his life? Oh yeah. 
Even him running out in public, wondering if somebody's going to capture me because I was a believer in Christ and are they going to kill me? But he was running and living through that circumstance because of hope. And uh, I want you to uh, look at three things this morning about hope. Um, You know, um, if you'll take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. There's three types of hope I want to look at you just to uh, help you understand this. Uh, 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 Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse... um, Beginning in verse 13, or 12. Remember that uh, you were at the time separated from Christ. He was talking about those who knew, who didn't know Christ, who were Jews. And then he was also talking about those who were not Jews, but were Gentiles and were uncircumcised. And we've talked about that before, that that had a lot to do with God's the chosen people. And he said, look, remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Right? They had no right as a Jew, if you weren't born into this Jewish lifestyle, you had no right to anything that had to do with God. You were not the chosen people. And then all of a sudden he says, uh, so to a Greek or, or, they were, they were, or to a Gentile, they were thinking, wow, you know, this is, I really want to break into this, but I don't think I can. But then he says, uh, he says, of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Here it is. But... But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace. We talked about the last week who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. And we could go on and on and look at that. But what that was is that was hope. It was hope for the person that thought, I know this Christ, but I know that maybe these Jewish people who came to know Christ don't think that I have right to God. And they're saying, no, no. Because of all the promises, you have as much right to hope for. So there is hope that is a real hope, right? And then there's hope that is no hope. Those who don't know Christ still have hope, but they don't understand what hope is until they acknowledge who Christ is, right? And there are people that have no hope. There's a hope that is out there waiting for people to grab hold of it. Now, we are in a season from Thanksgiving through Christmas where suicides begin to go up. And why is that? Because during this season, we think about the loved ones we've lost. During this season, we think about the relationships that we've struggled with. During this season, some of us are lonely and we think, I will never find that person for me. We are, we are, uh, uh, the reason that goes up because during this season, we lose great hope. Show me somebody that's suicidal. Show me somebody that's depressed and I'll show you somebody that is expecting nothing. So show me a, a, a somebody that begins to just close himself in their room or their house, and that is no hope. And what this season reminds us of is that there is hope. If we will look to the past, to the birth of Jesus, we know that there has been hope 
from that moment on. And even those of us, uh, those of us who weren't, those who aren't alive during this time could go back and from the time of, uh, of the birth of Jesus could look past, watch this, could look past when Jesus wasn't even born and say, God is going to make a way. According to all these prophecies, I have hope. And there's going to be tension. And what happens is the tension kills our hope when we don't have anything to hope for. So there's three types of hopes. There's no hope. And the Gentiles that we were reading about, they thought, do we have any hope? They're telling us all these things that we're not attached to this Jewish nation. Therefore, we're not the chosen people of God. And can you imagine the hopelessness? And that's what he was saying. Listen, you can have great peace because the hope that is for them is for you today. If you're with me, you understand? So when we remember this Christmas season, we look back every year. You go, why do we do Christmas? We look back every year because God says, I want to show you not only the peace that I have in this world, but the second candle they would like during Advent would be this candle of hope, that we have hope, right? We have hope before us. There is hope that God can heal your relationship that you're struggling with. There is hope that God has somebody for you. There is hope whatever situation you're in. The second kind of hope is this. There's, I call it, because <laughs> I'm goofy, I call it hope on a rope, right? Uh, you know, the soap on a rope, there's an old DC talk, I'm aging myself again, you know, that uh, they put soap, uh, what did they put soap on a rope and they, it's not worth hope. It's just no hope in a rope, right? Because if you put soap on a rope, right, eventually uh, that soap's going to wear down, and it's going to fall from the rope. And what I'm saying is there is hope on a rope. And that rope is connected to nothing. And Jesus is not hope on a rope. He's, it's not going to break down. He, it, it's not going to fade away. Does that make sense? We can, we can put all our time into who Christ is like we do that soap on a rope that used to, some of you don't know about soap on a rope. They used to put soap on a rope. My generation knows about soap on a rope. If you, know, they used to, you could hang it on your shower and put soap on a rope and after a while it would wear down and you just have a rope with no more soap. And so I believe that there's no hope for some people uh, that they believe that, but there is hope. And then there are those who have this hope on a rope. And watch this, it's attached to works. It's attached to this understanding of, well, you know, I've, I've asked God five times about this, or I've made these 10 mistakes, so my hope is about to run off. It's about to run out. There's not enough for me. That's hope on a rope, on a rope of what you think. Does that make sense? That we put this hope based on our works, based on what we think God is, on how much we think God loves us. And look, there's a hope on a rope. Look at Matthew 7, 21 through 27. Everybody turn there. Matthew 20, uh, what did I say? Matthew 7, uh, 21 through 27. There are those, uh, it says this, it's what Jesus was talking about. Um, this, I believe this is hope that's on a rope. It's like when I ask somebody, everybody look right here, when I ask somebody, when you, when you pass from this earth, what's gonna happen to you? And when they say, I hope that I'll be in heaven, 
that is hope on a rope. But when I ask somebody, what's going to happen to you when you leave this earth? And they say, I'm going to be with God. That is true hope. There's an expectation. Right? But then there are those who think that, well, I, I hope I do. But it's, it's, it's doubtless hope. It doesn't work. And look at this. And there are times it says, Jesus said, not everyone, look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father. And you go, well, what is the will of the father? The will of the father, look right here. One of the wills of the father is the most important will of the father is that you acknowledge that Jesus was born. And when he was born, he was born to die so that we could have hope. He was born to die for our sin. And because of his death and his burial and his resurrection, he will come back to get us. That is the only hope of heaven. But there are those who are going to church today somewhere, even maybe in this room, that you go, well, because I did this, even though, uh, even though I didn't want to get up to do this, I did this just in case it would make God happy that I have hope of heaven. That is hope on a rope, right? And I would tell you, yes, you need to be with the body, but man, if you stayed in bed it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you and it's not going to take you to heaven with him if you have a personal relationship. You see me going, oh, wow, then I can stay, I can stay in bed. Some of you are looking at me going, you mean I can sit on my couch forever during live stream in my pajamas and my coffee and my, my jelly rolls and I don't ever have to do this again? No, then that means you haven't, you haven't read the Bible and understand you're supposed to be together as a body. So no, don't say that Pat said that. <laughs> But if you think that God's going to kill you or God's going to shorten your life based on your actions, that's hope on a rope. It will fade. Right? And he says, uh, he said, many will do this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Those are works. You see that? That's works. We did this. We did this. We did this. For you, and he says, uh, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you because you never trusted that I was born during a time of tension, right? And I died during a time of tension. And I rose again during this time of tension so that you could confess, believe in me and have hope. But your hope is false. Your hope is on a rope and it's going to fade. You can only work for God so much. And God's going to go, it's not enough. Because you didn't trust in me for your salvation. You trusted in yourself. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. There are people now that are having a hard time during this season. Because they have no hope. And they have this hope that is on a rope. But the true hope is this. And again, it's my silliness of, of looking at it that I want to have, I have this hope that's on a slope. Now, for those of you, have you ever, who's gone snow skiing before? All right. Now, I love snow skiing. I snow skied 
uh, sometimes two or three times a year for 16 years. I loved it. I, I fell in love with it. And the only reason I got to do it is because, you know, I took my uh, college students on mission trips and part of it was snow skiing. And um, no, I'm just kidding. And so uh, also when I got to speak, sometimes I would speak at these conferences and I love snow skiing. I really do. And I put hope on a slope is because you're sitting in expectation. When you're finally waiting in line and you're, if you don't know about it, you're, 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 you're kind of cold, but you're excited about finally going up for the first time and that, that, that ski lift or that lift picks you up and then you, you're real quiet. Remember? Those of you who know, you just listen to that quietness. Just going up and you see the beauty and you know in expectation of what's going to happen next, that you're going to get off that lift and you're going to stop and you're going to tighten up everything and put your goggles on and you look at the view and you take this big breath. And if you've never snow skied, that's what it's like. And then, man, you start going and it's just the most wonderful thing. It's quiet and you're swishing through that snow and your hope has been met because you know you're going to the bottom. But watch this, when you get to the bottom, guess what? You get to do it again. And when we're with Christ in that time of tension, and it's tough, whatever you're experiencing, and you're going down there, and it's, you're, nerv- uh, you're nervous about it, you will reach the bottom, but God will take you to the top again. Because you have hope that's on a slope. It's on this downhill run. Right now, guys, it may feel like we're on this uphill run when it comes to our life in Christ because it's so difficult living in the world that we live in and trying to live like Christ wants us to, try to vote how like Christ wants us. You know, all those little things that we deal with, but we are not going uphill because, watch this. The kingdom of God is not just about your salvation. The kingdom of God is about God's kingdom coming and wrapping up where we will be in heaven and how all his children will be with him and those who choose to follow him. And so you know what that is for us as believers? While we think it's so bad sometime, we, are, we have this hope that's on a slope and we are running down toward this day when God will bring his kingdom to an end and it will be the most wonderful place. So during this time of, of Christmas, we, we have to remember that we have this hope. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. Uh, uh, my wife and I, um, we were, um, we put up the Christmas tree and everything and uh, the kids did during, I just watch, I like watching. But we put up the Christmas tree and my wife paid, placed this box at the bottom of the tree. And it's just an empty box. That's all it is. It's like, it looks like a wrapped box. You take the top off and there's nothing in it. And so we've been going back and forth. But I'll be honest. She put it on there for Ephraim. Because Ephraim, the first time he came to the house, we had his presents wrapped. And uh, he looked at one of the presents and he goes, Ephraim? And we said, yeah. And he didn't even wait. He, we, we heard the paper rip. We go, no, no, no. No. Now that's for Christmas. And then we said, you can open this box. But beforehand, I'll be honest, it was Shannon's idea. You know how people in your family, there are ideal people that have the idea 
And then there are those who actually take the idea and put it into practice. So she had the idea, and so we've compromised. She had the idea, and she said, that was my idea. And I said, yes, but you did not take action. <laughs> so she had the idea, and I took action, and both of us together came up with a new tradition. And so I had this action figure, the Green Lantern. And y'all know who that Green Lantern is? I had the Green Lantern. It was still in packets. My son-in-law gave it to me years ago for Christmas, and I thought, it's just been sitting up there. So I unwrapped it, and I opened the box, and I put Green Lantern. He's just sitting there looking up. And after that, we said, now you can open that box. And that's the tradition. Now what that box will be there forever. And he looked, and we said, yes, you can open that box. And we decided we're going to put something in that box. Every time we know he's coming, we're going to put something in that box. And you know, he, goes, he, he took that box and he, he opened it up. And here's what he said. I've never seen my grandson or heard my grandson say this. He did. He said, and he picked it up and he went, wow. <laughs> he really did that. He said, wow. And all of a sudden, I, I don't know who taught him. But he began to take the Green Lantern and turn him sideways. And he began to go all around the house with the Green Lantern. And what we put in Ephraim's heart is hope. So now our hope is, our expectation is that when he comes into the house, one of the first things he will do is run to the, this box that there's an expectation that there's something there. He can come in in the morning. Sometimes he does. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, he'll come in the morning. Sometimes he's really excited and sometimes he's in a really bad mood. That's tension. But at some point, he's going to have this hope that's in a box that he'll open it and there's an expectation. Isn't that, isn't that neat? That's us. That's what hope is. You know, um, I have great, great hopes for Carpenter's Way. Always have. And I planned these set of messages four months ago. And I think it's really, really God's timing that I speak on hope this day. Um, because I have great hope for this church. I have great hope for what God can do with you. I have great hope for the future of this church. And Shannon and I, I know for the past year, I just want to tell you for over a year and a half, um, I have been sensing God telling me, I called you to start this church. This is your mission work. But I've been sensing that he's closing that out. And it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle because of the faces I see and the, the investment that was for God's glory, not mine, 
And um, I prayed for quite some time about is my time done here? Because Shannon and I, we love this place. We love you. But just like Paul would start a church, he would say, hey, I've got to go start another one. That's my new mission. And while he was there, he would train people to take care of that church and eventually put them in charge. And after, you know, nobody wants to leave. You know, I, I don't want to leave my grandchild. I don't want to leave my daughter. and I don't want to leave you. But God is calling me to a new mission. And next week, Shannon and I will go visit uh, with Kingwood's First Baptist Church where we have been called to continue a new mission and be a part of a new people and help them create small groups, create discipleship processes. That church wants to start a new church and they said, hey, listen, we don't know how to start a church. We don't want you to start the church, but we want you to mentor somebody that's going to start the church and Man, that's, that's God's stuff, guys. And I fought it. I fought it. I, I, I just want you to know it's been a struggle for a year and a half. Because I don't, I don't want to go. But at the same time, I, I've always told you that even though you tithe and work, I've always told you for the past 11 years that God is who I work for. And he uses you to make sure that I can do it. And so, if I were to do, if I were to not go to this church, I would be pleasing people. And Paul said in Galatians, if I please men, then I'm not pleasing God. And if we please our heart and stay, we are not pleasing our Father in heaven. And so we'll be visiting there next week, meeting the people that God is calling us to, to help them grow in their relationship with Christ, to help them start this new work. And that is what I'm called to do. That is my mission. And, um, you know, we hated to do it during this time, but I don't have control of God's timing, right? And I wanted you to know um, that that's what we're going to be doing. We'll be staying through the Christmas holidays with you, and we'll do communion, carols, and candles, but sometime toward the end of the December, um, we'll close out our work here. But we will have a day, and the elders will let you know that, that I'll be able to talk with you guys. But we'll see you again uh, through the holidays, but also we'll see you again after that because... I love my grandson, a daughter, and want to see her. <laughs> but this, uh, it's been a difficult time of knowing. Now, I want to say a few things.
Some people are going to go, well, why? Why are you doing this? What's wrong? Let me, let me make it clear to those of you who are watching and those of you who are here. Whenever something happens like that, everybody thinks that there's a reason why, that there's something bad. So a year ago, I called another pastor who's pastoring for years, and I said, hey, I think God's pulling me away from here, but I, I have no place to go. Nobody's looking at me. I, I don't have a resume. I don't. When do you know you're called away? And he said, well, describe your church to me. And he said, man, I'd love to be where you are. Seems like everything's going, going great. And I go, yeah, why would God pull me away? And he said, Pat, why do things have to be bad for God to call you away? Wouldn't it be better if God said, everything's good, I've got a new mission for you? So I want you to know, first of all, if you're visiting here, you're hearing this on the day that, but listen, God still may want you here. Um, but I want you to know that um, through this process that nothing's wrong. Nobody's mad at me. If you are, you never told me. Uh, nobody's upset. I'm telling you, the elders are here this morning. They'll tell you the same thing. Nobody says it's time for you to go. That's, those things are going to come back. Some people may have left the church and, and you say, oh, that's why you're going. No. People leave churches and come back and leave. That's not why I'm leaving. I want you to know, those of you watching my live stream, those of you here, nothing's wrong. That's what made it hard. We, even during COVID, you need to know this. Even during COVID, we were pushing that, before COVID, we were pushing that 260, 265, come back down to 250. And we believed it was because we were about to start a third service and we would push over that 300 mark. COVID came and we're still running 230, 240 with everything. The giving has surpassed on pretty much monthly, except maybe two months, uh, has surpassed by thousands of dollars what, what we needed. It, nothing's wrong. So I want you to know whatever you hear or whatever may come your way, that's Satan, but nothing is wrong. Your church is in good standings and we're doing, we're doing well. But guys, if, if I don't go, if we don't go, um, then I'm in the way of whoever God's calling, watch this, on their next mission to come here and take you to the next whatever that God says you're not the one to do that. So I wanted to announce that to you and let you know that we have struggled with it and that we truly love you. That's what makes it hard. We've watched so many of you grow but God called me to start this church and stay here for these 11 years. And he says, Pat, move on. I got work for you. And I want you to know that uh, this is not goodbye as far as we'll be here. But we know that in the next month to come, my mission field is going to change. And you go, well, what are we going to do now? Uh, your elders will be meeting on Monday and I'll be meeting with them. And they will keep you very informed. All of our elders are very, very capable of teaching. Uh, we have a staff, Jesse and Micah, that are very capable of teaching. 
you go, what's going to happen? The elders will tell you the bylaws and constitution was written and they will search for their new pastor and bring it before you and you will have a say and a vote. But all that will be explained to you. Um, and I just want you to know, I'll have other times to talk to you, but I want to thank you for working so hard to start a new work in the Mid-County area that I believe has changed many lives and many hearts. But listen, many more, many more need to be changed. So you say, what could, do for, what could we do for you, Pastor? Step up and continue to do the work as unto the Lord. Take your place in this church and know that God's going to bring you somebody. May not be as good looking as I am. <laughs> but I do know this. He has a great future for you. You know I know that? Because Jesus was born to bring hope into the world. And that is our hope for the future. But uh, I want my wife to come up here. And, and I just want to tell you, she's, she's going to hate me. But, well, she doesn't hate me. She's stuck with me. But I just want you to guys know that as much as you've seen me, this is the person that's been really behind me. And uh, we, I said, hey, you want to say something? She said, no. So I will say for her, this has been hard. And we really love this place and we love you. But we have to, we have to follow what the Lord wants, not what we want. And so that's what we're going to do. Wait, see, I'm going to let you. Well, I have the unenviable task of following that. <laughs> Um, I, I know sometimes after you receive shocking news, everything you hear after that is kind of like wah, 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 wah. You don't really catch anything else. Uh, but I hope you listen carefully to what Pat said. I, it, it's, it's absolutely true. The elders met briefly, uh, I don't, what was it Friday? Thank you. Friday uh, in a short meeting. And it, it, I think it was the most, one of the most encouraging, affirming kind of conversations we've ever had. And uh, I believe two things, uh, a lot of things are true, but two things that are, uh, I feel centered on, on, on this issue. Uh, one is that had Pat, uh, about 11 years ago or so, not followed what God was prompting him to do and taken a step of faith into the unknown and left what was comfortable for him, Carpenter's Way would not exist. Okay. And so um, we, have to, we have to trust that the same God, not the same Pat, he's not the same Pat, and, and uh, <laughs> he's human, but the same God that brought that about is at work right now. And if he's working in a church in Houston that needs Pat, then he's, he's still working here to, 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 to finish the work that he started. Um, the other thing I, that I believe is very true, and we discussed this at the elders, is when we started this church, uh, Pat was very clear. We were very clear. This was not a Pat Camerata-centric church. It never was intended to be. It's not. And, and, if, it's, and if it's become that for you in some way, um, 
maybe it's time to get <laughs> refocused on this is Christ's idea, right? This is his bride, and we, we are his bride, and, and uh, he has brought us together for a work here. Uh, Pat happened for a season to be the, the person that he used to do that, and that's not to minimize at all the importance that, that he's played in that or, or the, the significance that he is in Shannon are in, in our lives as as friends and as uh, people who've worshipped here, but um, but it is true, and I think uh, we, we're going to hold on to that. There's a, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of things we feel, and uh, we'll have time to express some of that, and some of it we'll have to you know we'll deal with for a long time. But uh, I think the main thing we can do right now is pray together. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and uh, if if you don't make it a habit regularly of praying for your church, this would be a good time. <laughs> Uh, and, and for the elders, for Pat, for Shannon, for uh, Emily, Dylan, you know, this is a this is a this is a really huge huge change in, in a lot of ways. So uh, I'll let the Holy Spirit prompt you and and um, how you need to pray. But uh, I'm just going to lead us in a, in a time of, of prayer right now. Father God, we are uh, in awe of you. Uh, we thank you that you. Um, came to us, uh, that it was your idea to have uh, creation to begin with. It was your idea to have fellowship with man uh, and to uh, create us in your image. It was your idea to restore uh, fellowship with you through uh, the birth of your son and through the sacrifice that that you made uh, through him. It was your idea for the church to be uh, considered your bride. It was your idea for Carpenter's Way to be one of many fellowships that that you've uh, put in place to, to to carry out your purposes in this world. Um, it was your idea for for uh, Pat to uh, feel the prompting for of, of this to be a time of change. And Father, we uh, we trust you. Um, uh, it's easy to do that sometimes. It's hard to do that sometimes. And we still choose to do that. We cho- still choose to recognize you as sovereign, that you know completely what you're doing without any help from us. We, uh, we choose to, to worship you, uh, to, to, to recognize that you are, uh, we, we don't see things like you see them. Father, there's uh there's difficulty in change. Uh, you know that. You created us as emotional beings, and you created us with a capacity for loving one another. And uh, it's that love that makes times like this difficult, but we wouldn't have it any other way. We just thank you for the, for the blessing of having uh, these years of having uh, Pat and Shannon really close by and accessible. We thank you that you're, we still have... Uh, future friendship and relationship to look forward to, but we know that's going to be significantly different. And uh, we just trust you for uh, for direction on what's next. We trust you for um, uh, just that, that this is not the end, it's a beginning. Um, and we just ask that you would uh, continue to bless richly as you have so faithfully in, in what you're what you're doing in this place. Just thank you for each person here. I pray that we would cope each in our own way in a a healthy and constructive and encouraging way for Pat and Shannon. And um, we just thank you for the the time we have together and for being so accessible to us. We can just call on you and talk to you just uh, in, in this moment. 
And uh, thank you for hearing our prayer. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.